we're, I don't know how to put this exactly, uncomfortable with the situation in Russian sports. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Fencing Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Gavin. And uh, here we are again with loads of stuff to round up. Just in time for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Like, treat it like a, a slightly early Christmas present. Although by the time it's edited now, it'll be mm-hmm. only very slightly early. I'm like the Fencing Santa. I have a beard. Uh, yeah, uh, my my beard's not nearly as bushy as yours. No, no. Um, but it is a bit greyer. So between the two of us, we make a sort of half-decent Santa. So, talking of talking of lovely gifts, uh, thanks very much to our Patreon supporters mm-hmm. who continue to do a sterling job in keeping us very modestly funded. Um, if you like what we do, mm-hmm. please feel free to join them. The links will be in the show notes. You can do your bit to get early release of each episode and a few extra little snippets every now and again, uh, and of course to support independent broadcasters. That's us. That is us. Yeah. So uh, the main thing you get, obviously, of course, is a warm feeling of having done a good thing. And at some point, I'm sure we could find some sort of repay, like taking a selfie on a boat or something like that. When, when we, when we <laughs> get enough Patreon supporters to buy our boat. Yeah, it still seems a long way off, I have to say. <laughs> I'm uh, sure we bought like a tenth of a t- propeller or something. Mm, I don't that, know. I think propellers are pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, so guys, if, if you could help us out, that would be absolutely lovely. Of course, we won't think any less of you if you don't. But we will talk about you behind your backs. Indeed. Thanks also to our, our lovely sponsors, uh, Liam Paul. Continuing to to keep us funded, mm-hmm. help us sound lovely by uh, enabling us to buy lots of kit, mm-hmm. and uh, of course getting us to the World Championships back in the summer. Thanks, guys. It means a lot to us. It certainly does. So, next bit of news: not strictly speaking fencing related. No, but bear with me. Talking Winter Olympics uh, happening in Korea in mm-hmm. February. That's right. And Russia have been excluded. Yeah, we don't get invited to the party now. Uh, those of you who know me and you know are friends with me on Facebook, and occasionally, I think I have posted the odd thing on uh, the, um, the podcast Facebook page as yeah. well. Is we're well, I don't know how to put this exactly uncomfortable with the situation in Russian sports? Would that be? I think so. Politest way to put it. I've got to be honest with you. I didn't think anybody would actually go ahead and ban Russia. You know. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. I mean, obviously, at the Summer Olympics in 2016 in Rio, the IOC made the decision to leave it to the international governing bodies for each sport to decide mm-hmm. whether their Russian competitors should be allowed to yeah. to compete. And in the vast majority of cases, they were, including fencing. Yes. Perhaps unsurprisingly. Um, more evidence has come out since then. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't watched it already, a, a documentary film I would highly recommend is uh, Icarus. Uh, me too, actually. Yeah, it's only available on Netflix. Uh, so if you have a, a Netflix subscription, get on there and watch it. If you don't have a Netflix subscription, either get one or speak to one of your pals that does, because yeah. it's uh, well worth watching. And I think it's worth sort of sort of explaining a little bit about Icarus because it is a very, in one sense, it's a bit. I find it a bit of a strange documentary. It is really good and it's really entertaining, but it starts off. The story starts off telling you one thing but finishes in a completely different way. Yes, it's um, almost a kind of 
accidental documentary thing. Yeah. Uh, the initial idea that the documentary maker um, set out with mm-hmm. is not, not what he ended up with, but yeah. he ends up with probably a far more fascinating story. Yeah. So we end up with a sort of, it feels like a bit of a two-parter, like this is the first half of the documentary about this thing. Yeah. Which and then that, that turn in the middle. Yeah, it takes a weird turn in the middle. And that particular documentary, I'm not sure I would have recommended. It would have been interesting just passing by. Oh, that's quite okay. interesting. Yep. But because of the way that this entire film pans out, Mm. Uh, I think it's well worth anybody anybody's time sitting watching. Even if you don't like sport, just sit down and watch it. Yeah, if you've got any interest in Russia, sport, geopolitics, geopolitics, nineteen seventy uh, spy thrillers. Yeah, it's it's got it's got something for everyone. I, would say. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, but the reason that we've we brought the subject up, apart from our own sort of interest in how mm. how Russia conducts itself in the sort of international sporting arena, is that uh, the President of the FIE, Alex Usmanov, uh, wrote a letter which was released by the FIE's press office just over a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would read it to you. It's quite a short letter. Okay. I'm not going to do the Russian accent. <laughs> it's probably for the best. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is, actually. So th- uh, this letter was sent to Thomas Bach, who is the president of the International Olympic Committee, mm-hmm. uh, the former fencer, uh, won Olympic gold in 1972, A long time ago, yeah. Sabre? No, foil. Was it foil? Okay. Yep. To vice presidents of the IOC and members of the IOC executive committee. Uh, so it reads, Dear Mr. President, dear vice presidents and members of the executive committee, I am writing this letter not only as the president of the International Fencing Federation, but primarily as a citizen of Russia, and someone for whom serving Olympic ideals has become one of the most important purposes of life. The whole world of sport and the entire Olympic family were waiting for the decision of the IOC. All have been an- eagerly anticipating fairness, justice, and clarity. Decision answered all the questions but one whether the Olympic themis is fair. Even though discrimination in any shape or form contradicts the principles of the Olympic movement, the IOC's decision certainly does put clean Russian athletes on an uneven playing field with athletes from other countries. Having gone through the purgatory of the Olympic qualifications, Clean Russian athletes will A. have to wait for months for the final decisions by the Special Commission of the IOC, B. be deprived of the customary support of the NOC of Russia, and C. most importantly, be denied the right to see their national flag and hear their national anthem. One of the principles of Roman law states, Nullum crimen, nulla puena sine culpa. Not great at Latin either, sorry. <laughs> uh, which, which translates as, no guilt, no punishment. The innocent shall not be punished and put down to knees. This approach violates the basic human rights and undermines the trust in law and justice. Athletes dedicate their rather short life in sport for this one moment when they can see their country's flag in the sky and hear the sound of their national anthem. This is the pinnacle of their glory, their personal conquest of Everest. I ask the members of the IOC Executive Committee to balance on the scales of Themis the necessity to punish the guilty with the aspirations of clean Russian athletes and their equal rights as members of the Olympic family. Let us give the right at least to the winners of the 2018 Olympics to reach the summit of their dream and see the flag of the motherland in Pyeongchang's sky. Respectfully, Alasher Usmanov. Touched and moved by that, Gav? When I read it, I didn't quite know what to make of it. Okay. It's an open letter for a start, and it's written by the president of our organ, of our sport, yep. to Thomas Bach. And it didn't strike me as being particularly a good. It didn't strike me as being a good idea to write this letter and send it. I think. I think it doesn't send the right message at all. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Uh, the other thing I would say is that as head of our sport internationally, that doesn't speak for me, I would no. have to say. No. I think it's important to mention that the McLaren report here as well, because the McLaren report was really the touchstone for the debate over 2016 yes. Rio. And in that, McLaren pointed out that he didn't think there was any level of sport in Russia that hadn't been touched by some sort of state-sponsored doping. Yeah, I mean, track and field athletics was the the main one mm-hmm. that was picked out as being having endemic doping, uh, systematic, state-sponsored. Yep. Uh, but McLaren's report said basically all sport in Russia has been yes. affected by this, including fencing. Including is, fencing. Because we, we know of at least a couple of couple of reports of uh, missing results or yes. tampered results. I can't remember exactly what it was now. Yep. So uh, I, I don't know. I think it's important to point out that Russia isn't the only isn't the only uh, country where doping takes place. That's an important thing. Because we did see in the press uh, recently that there have been a a few drug scandals. Uh, Gatlin, back in the press again. Uh, Yes, indeed. (laughs) You can't stay away. You can't stay away. He loves his smarties. Uh, But but it's the level here. It's the actual level of it that's that's coming out of Russia is, is the really sort of terrifying thing. And there's a there's a health and well-being aspect to this, which it's not just about winning. There's a health and well-being, a long-term health and well-being thing for these athletes, which I think I just can't can't be dealing with it. I don't want the, these drugs anywhere kind of near the sport. Some people say, oh, Gav, it's not like that. It's all scientific. It's all controlled. It's all regulated. But really, where do we draw the line here? Because if you say only do the regulated stuff that's safe, someone is going to just push it over the line anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, the reason that WADA have this list of banned substances is that these are things that are give you an unfair advantage and are generally being used for something other than what they were intended for. Indeed. So largely don't take them mm-hmm. unless there's a good medical reason for you to take them. Yes. And don't abuse that system either while yeah. we're about it. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, cycling anyone? Yeah. So yeah, so I thought we would start off with that because that's yep. always a bit of a laugh talking about Russian doping. We had thought about going to a Sabre Grand Prix. Don't um, we'll be doing that, no. I don't know we'll be doing that because... Um, well, we'll be talking about Cancun a little later. It's a long way and quite expensive. Uh, Seoul's the other one. Again, a long way and quite quite expensive. Uh, so the one in Europe is is in Moscow, and I, I don't think we'll be going to no. that one no. this year. Yeah, let's move so to happier things. On. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Almost anything's going to be happier than that, I would have said. So what have we got? Oh, yeah, time for some actual fencing action. Mm, indeed. Yep. We, we did ask last time round for... Uh, more feedback and suggestions on how to deal with boring epi. Oh, right. And we have had a few. We have had a few more suggestions. That's right. Which I'm, and a couple of good ones which I like, but I'm not going to directly discuss those just at the moment because we're going to have some real live boring epi to talk about. Yeah, indeed. just a little bit later on, which yeah, um, kind of reinforces my point for those who protested that there is nothing wrong with nothing wrong with epi. And we should leave it alone. Yes, and uh, we have had discussions offline about that, yep. and yeah, I, I, I disagree with some of the comments that I've heard, so here we go. So, first up, what's the first World Cup we're going to talk about, Sean? Well, this episode mainly about uh, Grand Prix because mm-hmm. we've got three of them in sort of rapid succession. First weekend of the three weekends that we're covering here mm-hmm. also included Men's Sabre World Cup, though, in Gior in Hungary. Yeah. So, we'll start with that before we get to the Grand Prix. So, a few early shocks here. Uh, Homer, Ibragimov, Berry, and Abedinio diving out in 64. Du Shilagi, Kim out in 32. And 
Dishwit's going out in the last 16. So right. a lot of big names there are going out early. So our last eight, we had Shetnikov beating Max Hartung, uh, 15-12. Bolid Apate of France beating a surprise Korean, Huang, uh, with a, a really exciting 15-14. It was a, a properly good scrap, that one. Osanguk of Korea giving an absolute thumping to Luca Kuratoli, which I was a bit surprised about, because Kuratoli's an exciting fencer, uh, lots of variety, tremendous work rate, uh, and I thought he would give o a much harder time than that. Um, and Vincent Anstett of France beat world champion Andres Satmari fairly comfortably as well, 15-8. Yeah. Uh, Satmari looked properly grumpy by the end of that, mm -hmm. um, and did have a go at decapitating Anstett towards the end of the fight when <laughs> things weren't going his way, which... Uh, yeah, it is not ideal. So, semi-final one, uh, Benjamin Roshetnikov of Russia uh, against Apathy, and that was a, a totally one-sided one. Apathy couldn't get it going at all, and Roshetnikov just parried Poston him to death. Yes. Must have hit him with probably double figures in that. Incre yeah. I mean, incredibly fast mm -hmm. parried post, but just way too many of them for yeah, that right, to be okay. uh, a kind of a, an acceptable one for for Bolid to, mm -hmm. to come off thinking... Well, that wasn't so bad. It was. It was a it was a thumping. Much more exciting second semi-final between Anstead and No. Oh, well, actually, it was a bit of curiosity this one, because it, it got to one all, and then there was a massive, massive break for... Well, I, because there was no commentary, I couldn't work out why it was, but best part of 15 minutes mm. of the fences just sitting on the end of the piece, waiting to be told they can get going again. Scoring equipment fault? Don't know. It didn't seem to be anything people's. obvious. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, just a lot sitting around. And eventually, they get get back to the action. O takes a, a, a narrow lead, but it is pretty nip, nip and tuck, so 7-5 up. And again, there's another curiosity here. Both fencers think they hit, and they stop to have a look at the box, and nothing's come up. Right, okay. And then Anstead sort of recovers quickest and hits him, and the referee doesn't award the point. Just puts him back on guard and says, we go again. Just on we go. So that was a bit weird. In the early part of the fight, O definitely dominating the distance. And then Anset tried to, you know, sort of disrupt and using line and a couple of sort of big leaping second reposts, mm -hmm. very spectacular. But in the sort of straight up, straight up fight when it was all sort of clean and nice, oh, oh, was in charge. Mm -hmm. So Anset's work is all about all about breaking things up and trying yeah. to make make life hard by producing things that were unexpected and surprising. O goes into the break eight seven up, although the hit was initially awarded uh, to Anset. So they go to the minute break. Who's calling for the, the video review at the end of it? Yeah. Because when he has a look, clock's still ticking down for the minute break, comes back, oh yeah, and re reverse that. So having initially seemed to have gone, gone in 8 7 down, who <laughs> comes out at the other end of the break uh, 8 7 up, which is uh, was nice for him. I've never seen that before. Have you know what? I mean, it must, yeah, it must, it must happen. Yeah, but I've never, I've never seen that before. It's a weird one. Because surely, you, you, I guess the minute has just started anyway, but. But you don't. But you don't stop. Yeah, I mean, the, you don't start the clock though the until, hits, until well, the video replay and the points been awarded. Well, the hits awarded, and they've immediately gone to start the minute break, so the clock's ticking down, and all goes. Yeah, wait a minute. I'd like you to have another look at that. So the clock's still ticking down. You can, you can't stop it. Well, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So the minutes, the minutes already going. Oh. So get to the end of the minute. Well, I just genuinely, I don't think, I don't think, I can't think of another time. I might be wrong. Yeah. Again, another, another, another little quirk right, in the fight. Okay. Yeah, so again, nip and tuck all the way, level at 12 all. Apathy's having to, to work so hard in this fight to try and make up for the sort of height difference and mm -hmm. the, the speed difference. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit in the past. He's massive, he's very fast, he's incredibly powerful, which makes 
a comparatively little fencer like Anset have to absolutely work his socks off to mm-hmm. to stay in the fight. Anset then gambles, goes for a couple of parries, misses one, gets one. We're up to thirteen all, but in the end, two O attacks oh, to, right. take, to take the win. So really, really great fight to watch. Thoroughly, mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed that one. Final, yeah, final was was good, but took a, a serious turn after the break. We're yeah. off again using a load of parry reposts. Because um, this is when I paid attention to and uh, Rashetnikov's parry repost is un- almost unbelievable. Yeah. There was a couple of times where I, I couldn't actually believe he'd scored a point. Yep. So how did he do that? <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, so so fast. So fast. Uh, Rashetnikov was 8-6 um, it was, it was eight, eight, six. Six up. Yeah. And I think he'd scored with six reposts out of his eight hits. That's right, yeah. But in the second period, who changes the rhythm and the line of his attacks, so rather, rather than going to Clark, going to chest, yeah. and being repeatedly mm-hmm. hit with this, this parry repost, he kind of changes the rhythm so that his attack's not arriving quite so immediately. He's holding it back just a little bit, yeah. and then going into the open line, either to head or, head or flank. Yeah. And I think he did at least one one absolutely amazing disengage that I can remember. It's, yeah, I mean, there was loads of stuff in like, the attacks. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, but it's... So more more attacking from O as it had been in the first period, yeah. but with a sort of subtle change yeah. that neutralises Rashetnikov's parry repost, mm-hmm. and O goes on a, a huge run of hits. I think something like seven hits in a row. So he goes from being eight six down to being thirteen eight up, yeah. and the fight's pretty much over. Finishes off with a final attack. Uh, so some really smart fencing from mm-hmm. O. I mean, he's obviously incredibly impressive physically, as I say, fast, yep. powerful. Yep. And smart as well. Yeah. Uh, and he's only he's only twenty one. You know, he's just a kid. It's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine being that good and only be 20, 21. He can only he's got what another ten odd years, probably. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd you think know. so. If he stays injury free, yeah. No reason why he shouldn't still be going in another in another decade from now. I mean, at the moment, there's not because you've got O and you've got Gu on the same team essentially, and that make, mm-hmm. must make the Koreans just an unbelievable team. At and the moment. Kim. Oh, and Kim. Yeah. Sorry, Kim. I just think I was watching all thinking how do you respond to that yeah I mean the and I mentioned before that you, you look at the Korean men's sabre team and think they should pretty much win all the time yeah but they just don't <laughs> but they don't always yeah largely to some degree because O's been a, a little bit erratic Gu and Kim super experienced fencer has been at mm-hmm. the top of the game for a long time but O is now becoming a yeah. A real serious contender yeah. at everything. Yeah. So, turning to the team event, I didn't watch a whole load of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch any, so I've got no comment to make on that one. But my comment about Korea should win all the time. Yeah. Well, they do. All right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> nice to see that uh, little little comment of mine instantly coming true. Yeah, pr- pretty commanding stuff. Uh, they beat Russia 45-29 in the semi-final. Italy, meanwhile, edged at Hungary with a 45-43 in the second semi. Mm-hmm. Hungary beat Russia to take third place. And Korea beat Italy pretty comfortably in the final as well, 45-35. So, thoroughly good weekend for the Koreans and particularly for Osanguk. No mention of the Iranians? No, I'm afraid not. Sorry. Okay. I can't remember where they got to the last eight, I think, but I can't right. be absolutely sure off the okay. top of my head. So, yeah, so that was um, last World Cup, last Senior World Cup of, of the year. Mm-hmm. And then it's on to Grand, the Grand Prix. Oh, Grand Prix, yeah. 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 So, a run of Grand Prix over successive weekends. So yeah, first first Grand Prix of the season. Mm-hmm. Foil from Turin. 
or Torino, as they say in Italy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going I'm to stick with Turin. Okay. So we'll kick off with the women's foil. A few, well, certainly one surprise in there, I would say, uh, was Valentina Di Costanza, who I must admit I'd only vaguely been aware of previously. Yes. Um, this is by far her best result. First semi-final, familiar foes, mm-hmm. Derek Lozova against Erigo. Mm-hmm. And this was a much more defensive performance from Erigo than we're used to seeing. She spent yeah. quite a lot of the fight in her half of the piece, which you hardly ever see. That's right, yeah, yeah. Her game usually is all about pressing the opponent, mm-hmm. pushing them to the back of the piece, and hitting them with attack. Occasional very fast direct attack in the middle of the piece, but the only time really she's in their own half usually is when the fences are on guard. Yeah. And it did largely seem to be largely seem to be working. She built up big leads. I think she was what thirteen oh thirteen a lot. 13-7? Something like that, yeah. 13-8. Yeah. And a kind of run of off-target hits, mm-hmm. and Derek Lozova kind of rises to that, having been a bit foxed by yeah. a sort of more defensive style from Erigo for a while. She finally finally starts to get to, to grips with it, and eventually makes this amazing comeback. I think he, I think Erigo actually might have been at 14-something up I as well. I think Erigo choked. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I was trying to find a a nicer way to put that, but because yeah, she was, she it was looked so, horrible. It did look horrible. She was in such a commanding lead, and then something changed, and she just couldn't quite finish it off. I think because she got so close, and then as I say, she had several off targets, you know, yeah. real, real strong opportunities to finish the fight off, yeah. and didn't quite manage to do it. Yeah, and all the time, Derek Lozo was battling away, yeah, chipping, chipping away at it, just yeah. trying to do something with it. And the thing is, it's not like, it's not like one of those fights where. You know, like sometimes you get these fights where it gets a bit dirty towards the end and you're not entirely sure why the other person won or yeah. there's something quite dodgy about it. Maybe it's a bad decision. You know? No, no sign of that, yeah. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. There was none of that here. There was absolutely none of that. Rigo just basically gets to this point where she should have won, but she didn't. She's still on the piece, yeah. Yeah, she's still on the piece. And I think it's that point where it's the mental toughness which is really going to play, play a part there. I was a bit surprised because, you know, Rigo. You do. I would have expected her to win at that point. It was just like, why isn't she just scoring yeah, points? I'm sure that's what she was thinking. Yes, yeah, you know? I'm sure it must be at one point. Yeah, and then it gets close, and yeah. you start to think this really should be over by now. Yeah, and it's not. So yeah, a, a thoroughly tough tight win for mm-hmm. for Derek Lozova. Uh, a bit heartbreaking for for Erigo in front, yeah. you know, in front of the Italian crowd. Probably not the way she would have uh, wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To finish her weekend uh, in the second semi final, an all Italian affair, uh, very subdued as a result. The no noise from the, the yeah. crowd at all, uh, with Di Costanza against Lisa Volpe. Mm-hmm. And again, this this was pretty level going up to oh, up to about six all, and then after that, it was like Volpe had decided, well, that's that's enough of that. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, not messing around anymore, yeah. and pretty much finished finished her off with with a fair degree of ease. I mean, it did almost look like it was just yeah, ease through the first half of the fight, yeah, and then just get get the job done, yeah. So, but again, as you see, De Constanza is not a not fast. I was particularly familiar with either, but surprised to see her in the in the semis like that. Yeah, and and then Volpe's a class act, so you do kind of expect that point. Either either we're getting the sort of the Hollywood Hollywood story of getting to the final, or we're just, it, it, or or someone's just going to say ah, enough of that. Yeah, Here's the wall because um, De Constanza put the Kiefer I think in the last sixteen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so she'd had 
you know, she had, she's not had some sort of easy passage through no, the, not through the semi-finals. So a, a thoroughly good performance from her, but in the end, well, well beaten in the semi-final mm. by her teammate. So on to the final. It wasn't a thriller, to be honest. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't as good as last year, not at all. <laughs> yeah, Derek Lazova looked well in control of things. You know, having made her escape against the Regal in, mm-hmm. in the semi-final, she was clearly bang up for it by this stage. Yeah, I think she must have made that decision. She wasn't get herself into that state again. You mean you got to think? No, I'm not digging myself out another hole. I'm just going to have to get this one done. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Vol- Volpi took an early lead. Yeah, but Derek Lazova in the end took it. Yep. with a you know a comfortable fifteen nine win, mm-hmm. and and really, it was quick. It was quick as well. I mean, yeah. there's no there's no hanging around. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, Volpi gets a few hits. Up there goes over. Right, let's go on with this yeah. and and get it done. So fifteen nine in the end. I mean, it was exciting, high quality stuff, but not not a nail biter. Where you go? No, last year who's going to be? Last year was the two Americans did not Turin in final. Is that right? Or am I mixing that with another one? I think you're mixing that up from one earlier in the season. All I right. think it might have been. Might even have been the very first one in Cancun. All oh, right, I'll keep my mouth shut then. Because one I watched and was just like, <laughs> this is great. I want more of that. You yeah. know? My only sort of slight grumble with this one would be the quality of the coverage. There was something odd about the lighting and it showed a lot of the, the hall, which was very empty. I mean, it's a big, big sports arena. Oh, yeah, I made that comment as well, saying um, it's a bit empty. What's that all about? Yeah. And it was a weird colour as well at one point. Yes. So there was, there was all kinds of sort of really odd things. Oh, and this is another thing I'm going to mention this again. The mics for the commentators were oh. at different volume levels. Yes, that's right. So one was really loud, and another one was really quiet. Yes, Graham Bell was, I wouldn't say really loud, but certainly you could hear him perfectly yeah. clearly. Karen, very quiet for But it was like really, really quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was unbelievable. I was, I was, I'm sure Karen's got something to say here, but was like, I can't yeah. make out what he's saying. It was really yeah. straight. So, so uh, I, I don't think it was un- nothing to do with the commentators. They're not their fault. That's the sound engineer's fault. Yeah. You know, but it, there, was, there was some odd stuff. You'd hope that somebody would have noticed a yeah, little earlier. Yeah, I dropped them a message on their little on the on the YouTube feed saying, "Guys, sort your mics out." But uh-huh. clearly, nobody yeah. saw that. Distracted, so. yeah. distracted by some fencing going on. Yeah. So um, on to the mains. Quite a few early departures in this one. Um, Carnage. But, um, yeah, and yet you end up with a lot of familiar names late in the day as well. It, it just so, shows you the depth of foil, though. Yeah, this I can happen. You can have two actually. Yeah. So we had. Zerbchenko, Avila, Kassara, Sato and Meinhardt, all going out in the last 64. Uh, Han and Chanley Watson out in the 32. Imboden and Chung out in the 16. Before we get to the quarterfinals, though, uh, a great result for one of the young Australian foilers, Sholto Douglas, making a, making a top 16. Yeah. Which I think is the best result by an Australian fencer for a very long time, well, more than a decade. I yeah, think. in the Australian corner of uh, Facebook, they were they were going mad for it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah really impressive performance. I, I think I can't remember exactly. He beat Garrett Meinhardt in the 64. Oh yeah, that's can't some... remember who he beat. So that's that's a big big win. Yeah. So yeah, good going for him. So that meant our quarter final lineup was Masialis against Lepeshu. So Lepeshu probably came into that feeling pretty chipper after his after his World Cup win. Mm-hmm. But it was an absolute battering. Uh, Masialis beat him 15-4. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, <laughs> a thumping. Yeah. Enzo Lafour, France, beat, uh, beat Cruz. Yeah, that was a sad, sad times, that one. Yes, uh, it was a little bit, because I, I really thought Richard would, would take that one. I've got... But he just, just a little bit off. Yeah, and Lafour's obviously up for it. But I can't be the only person that thinks there's just something weird about the way that he spins his body when he hits. I'm not saying if there's, <laughs> if there's anything wrong with that. I just think it's a very weird looking hit. He hits and then he does this weird pirouette. 
occasionally. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I just find that a very strange hit. So okay, that's a weird little quirk. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought that much about. But. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like the old days where people used to do their the, the weird contortions to stop the point going on because the point has already landed. Uh-huh. But he was hitting and then doing a pirouette. I just couldn't get my head around why he was doing that. It really bothered me when I was watching. I was like, "Why are you doing that? I don't okay, get I'm it." Okay, I'm going to go back and have a look. Yeah, go, at go it. back and look at the it. context of it. Yeah, see if I can work out why. So Fukuni beat. Teammate Daniele Garozzo, mm-hmm. um making his return from injury. We talked about the yep. punctured lung that he'd suffered mm-hmm. um, just uh, yeah, a relatively few weeks before before Turin. So good to see him back. Uh, not quite the result he would hope for, but I would think he'd be pretty satisfied with that as a as a as a decent run of fights. I think so. And emerging yeah. unscathed, and then you know get, getting something half decent from it. So mm-hmm. I would think he'll think that's that's a a worthwhile yeah. outing and. Yes, a return. <laughs> we talked about Aspromonte being the villain of the piece in <laughs> yeah. breaking breaking Garozzo's rib yeah. and subsequently puncturing the puncturing the lung. Um, he did a good day as well yeah. after pretty indifferent results from him in in recent times. Yeah. Uh, he he made the last eight, just knocked out by uh, Russia's Timur Safin, who again was missing for the first couple of World Cups mm-hmm. uh, with a fifteen thirteen. So clearly buoyed by damaging the Olympic champion in training. <laughs> thought he would come out and, and produce a top eight yeah. result at, uh, at Turin. Which made our semi-finals, uh, Massey Alice against Lafour. And again, this was pretty pretty one-sided, really. Level at four all, and then Massey Alice really, really took control of things. And he hit, hits with everything. Hits with his attacks, parry repost, stop hits. Yeah, it's a quality fencing. He looked like a machine, if you know what I mean. Fishing yeah. and just... He just could read it, just going to do the hit. Every, he just worked his way through it all, I'm just going to keep hitting him. Yeah, that was great. And he, had, he had a run of, I think it was something like eight hits. Yeah. Yeah, totally in control of things, and um, before never never really got to got to grips with Massialis's attack, mm-hmm. this sort of um, invisible dog leash attack. Yeah. people people <laughs> yeah. have described it as, yeah. and before just couldn't couldn't get his head round it. Yeah, largely Massialis could score at will with that. Yeah, impressive. It was really impressive. It was, yeah, definitely, definitely. So the second semi final, Safin against uh, Fukuni. Fukuni very aggressive at the start. Mm-hmm. It was five two up, seven four up. And Safin's response has become more aggressive himself, being prepared to mm-hmm. to push Fukuni back a bit more to try and yeah stop Fukuni doing that to him yeah do it back. So level levels at seven seven all, a snip and tuck all the way nine mm-hmm. all at the break. Fukuni takes the first couple of hits in the second period to go eleven nine up, and you think you know maybe he's reestablishing control of the fight again mm-hmm. after kind of surrendering after a after a fast start, but. Safin comes back again, twelve all, and some some great hits actually yeah. to finish from Safin. Really impressive display. Um, it was pretty good. I, I still don't know quite why Safin was missing for the first couple couple of World Cups of the season, but yeah, looks, looks in good form certainly mm-hmm. by the by the end of this fight. I was a bit sad because you know you know I, I like Fukuni. I like the way that he fences. Yes, I know. I know you're a big uh, fan. Uh, and defending his title that he won here last that's year. That's right. Yeah. Um, it was a bit, a bit of a shame to see him go out, but yeah. it was a that was a quality semi final. I really yeah. enjoyed it. But I mean, it's still it's still another very decent performance. No, exactly, exactly. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's satisfied. But I mean, he didn't win it, obviously. But yeah, I'm, the I'm thing sure was, he... I mean, last year's winning Turin was a real big breakthrough result for him. Yeah, and he's he's followed that regularly with with podium finishes at other events. Yeah. So you know, another another one here, I would think, be reasonably satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. So the final, uh, Safin Masayalis and. Yeah, it was a 
a tremendous, another tremendous battle between these two. They had a couple last season yeah. in Paris and in Long Beach. And this, this was more of the same. They're one or two in the world rankings at the moment. And that, that seems pretty fair looking at them over, yeah, the, over again, this weekend. Yeah, again, again, it was another quality final. So, so again, pretty close. Saffron looking particularly sharp and takes a, takes a narrow lead. Three hits or so, about eight, five up and ten nine up at the first break. And then scores again another another couple of hits at the start of the second period. And you think, you know, this is there's somebody establishing control in the second period. They've mm-hmm. had a bit of, bit of a chat with their coach, but Marcellus then starts to get his attack going again, which he struggled really to do in the early part of the fight yeah. against Safin, and takes a lead, goes thirteen twelve up. Great parry across from him to go fourteen twelve up. Not quite done yet. Goes for one one more big big long attack, but a nice. One light attack from Marseille to finish off with a fifteen yeah. thirteen win. So it's a you know tremendous scrap, really good battles, and in, all the way in the later stages. It's interesting that like Marseille and uh, Safin are, are one and two. Now, weirdly, with this one, Marseille wins and Safin finishes second, and they mm-hmm. go in. They went into the competition with Marseille as world number one and Safin number two. But because of the results last year, Safin must have had a bit of a duff result. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly. Um, Safin's going to go number one. At the end of the weekend, Safin goes to world number one. Yeah. For, so Marseille has been world number one for this part of a couple of years now, I think. Yeah. It's, amazing, it's amazingly consistent, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was um, that was the first Grand Prix of the of the season in Turin. Yeah, um, really Thoroughly enjoyable stuff. Lots of great scra- scraps and, of course, lots of lots and lots of lovely footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is the joy after our grumbles in the last episode about, yeah. oh, I can't find any video of this yeah. event we're supposed to be talking about. All the pieces, all the action. Yeah, apart yeah. from our minor grumbles about the strange microphone stuff, but yeah. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. But at least it's all there for you to see. So yeah. That's, that, that was good. So next up, it's off to Doha. Yes, indeed. So we're going to have some epi in somewhere very warm. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So here we've got, I think I think we'll start with the, uh, we'll, we'll leave the men's epi to one side for a moment and we'll, we'll just do the women's epi. And I think before we start, we'll just say that uh, if, we're, if we're looking for some heads that were missing in the latter stages of the tournament, uh, Natalie Mulhausen went out in the 64. Yeah, because she did good result. Did she win one of the World Cups she, early oh, in the season? She did. And, and, do you know what, right at this and, moment in time? And a elite finish for in the other one as well. That's right, yeah. Good form. So she's been in pretty good form, and I would have thought she'd be a little bit higher, but she didn't make the 64. Also missing was Sarah Bezbez and Shina Lam, both going out in 32. Right. Going in, into the 16, it's, there's still quite a few of our sort of usual names. And then we get into the into the last state. And we have Mara Navaria of Italy uh, against Delina Kravitska of the Ukraine. Now, Navaria is not an Italian epist. I'm, again, she's a name that we've come across before, but she's yeah, not... She, I'm pretty sure she either won or made the final of one of the World Cups yeah. towards the tail end of last season. Yeah. Can't remember which one exactly, but quite, a, quite an mean, exciting, aggressive that's right. fencer. And I like the way she fences. She's she's always on the ball. She has kind of a foily feel to her as well. She, good movement and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. She reads the game well. Uh, Kravitska f- from Ukraine, good fencer as well. They had a good scrap in the last day uh, with uh, Navaria finishing at 15-11. We've got another one, though. We've got uh, Julia Rizzi of Italy. Yes. Uh, again, it's another one I'm not very, not so familiar with. I don't know how she's passed me by. Uh, she went up against Choi of Korea and got absolutely thumped. Fifteen oh. six. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's it. Doesn't sound great. Uh, the next one is uh, uh, Tatiana Andrushina of Russia against uh, Anna Maria Popescu 
Ah, and then the first couple of Romania. weeks familiar, yeah. Yeah, so this now I've been asking where are the Romanians? What's happened to them? They've not been around for ages. Yep. Well, I'm pretty sure this is this is uh, Anna Maria's first one in a while because it's Anna Maria Branza. It is indeed. Yeah, I did work this out eventually. Yeah, so she's clearly got married and had some time off. I think that's I think that's basically what's happened to you. Can't say for sure. This one wasn't quite so thrilling. Finishes thirteen ten. Eh, well, it, it you know it happens. And then in the the last one, the last last eight fight was uh well one of my one of my favorite fencers. It's uh, Shash Kovac versus Hu uh, of China. Hu uh, is shall we say quite lowly ranked. Okay, something like two hundred fiftieth in the world. That's pretty low, yeah. And has made uh, a last day at a Grand Prix, so she's going to be shooting right up the rankings. Yep, that's okay. going to do a ranking so, really good. So at this point in time, I thought, well, uh, Amazie's going to just win this one, you know, quality act. She's had her time. Ah, oh, but oh, that's not what happened at all. It's epic. It's epic. Yeah, yeah. No, who went through? And it was twelve eleven. Not the most exciting fight either, by the way. Uh, well, uh, what? Whose tactic appears to be shed a few hits? Work at my opponent, and then just then just eke it back whenever I can. Okay. That that is her tactics. That seems to be what she does. So she goes a few down, and kind of just brings it back. Just over time, it just takes forever, uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then just wins. It wins. He's out. I can't even mind it whether it's kind of it's cool or not. It's just a really strange way to do it. I, I don't think it would work in the men's game. I think what would happen in the men's game, you get a battering, and that would be the end of it. Mm. But uh, certainly, it worked for it this particular tournament, and I think Hugh. We'd probably sit at the side rubbing his hands with glee because it was efficient. It was a, a bit of efficient work. Yeah. So that gave us our semi-finals, and we had uh, Navaria versus Choi. It's pretty good one. This one actually, I don't, I don't recall any passivity or anything like that in this particular one. It went fairly quick because Navaria just wasn't going to leave Choi alone. Yeah. Choi's a pommeler. Uh, she's the more aggressive of her and Lam. Yeah, yeah. So she, does, she does a bit more work. She will attack and she will move around a little bit more. I thought it was a bit unfair because one of the commentators did say that, oh, well, she's a, you know, she's a French gripper. She's just going to sit back and pick off her opponent. That's uh, not, not really, the case at all. No. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's Troy's game all the time either because I've seen Troy before and she is quite capable. But it was Mara Navaria who had that, as I say, that, that yeah. sort of lovely style. Sets, sets the pace. And yeah, sets the yeah, pace. And it, happen. Yeah, and it just ticked over and Navaria takes that one 15-10. In the other one, we've got who in our in our, sem- our first semi final, as far as I could tell, uh, up against Anna Maria Brand- uh, Branza, sorry Popescu, uh, and Popescu uh, just basically battered her, and that was the right. End of okay, that. so uh, it wasn't controversial. Had, had at enough all. time of watching this previously unknown yeah. uh, Chinese fencer to think, and it's quite right. Yeah, I can I can deal with that. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was, it was quite good. Uh, she, I love the way that the in women's epi, I do like the way that the Romanians fence. Yeah, it's they've got a good range of they've got a good range of ability. They can be aggressive, they can be passive when it's required, and I particularly like the way that Branson controls the game. That's what I like about her, mm. and that's what she did. She just controlled it, and then she just won. And then we went into the final here, and uh, Navaria, nah, I'm going to have to double-check, I don't think she's a Grand Prix. We were talking about her winning something last year, and I'm pretty sure it was one of the other World Cups. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I can't even be sure that it was a win, but certainly a final, I thought. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I and I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it was just a World Cup, not a Grand Prix. Anyway, so okay. th- I'm pretty sure this was her, but Anna Maria was not having any of this. There were a couple of passivity calls in this one here, All right, but it was okay. it was okay. I mean, there was always stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, in the middle period, I think both fences kind of lost their way and they weren't sure. It was really close at that point, so Anna was still obviously feeling it out. You've got she had this new epi she probably hadn't seen very much of before. A couple of passivity calls. We get to the final period, and then we she just finishes it all off there, and it right, finishes okay. at a comfortable ten six. Now, normally I'd be saying this is boring epi. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. 
I had a chat with some of my other EpiPals and they thought it was quite bad, but I, I was actually, I was okay with it. Reasonably comfortable with this one. Yeah, yeah. They, were just, they were moving around, they were trying stuff. Yeah, there was a couple of passivity calls in the minute, but it never got to a point where, uh, I was partic- I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs and complaining at the screen. Yes. It was, it was engaging enough and we weren't. You didn't, you didn't find yourself shouting. No. Get, get on, on with it. it or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. None of that happened. Good. So I was quite happy with that. Okay. So I mean, cause we are usually fairly quick to call boring AP, boring AP. Yeah. And I, I was reasonably okay with it. I was reasonably okay with the, the women's EP in Doha, to be honest with you. The only one, as I say, was a little bit of a struggle was in the last eight. And that was the the one with uh, Shashkovac versus who, but that was a, a style matchup. Yeah, where one fencer was playing a very deliberate game, uh, wasn't exciting, but it happens, you know. Yeah, it's okay. I'm live with a little bit of that. I can have a little bit of that in my epic game. You yeah. know, it was a spreadsheet battle. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we we move on to the uh, the men's epi in Doha, and the men's epi in Doha was a bit of a mixed bag. But in the earlier stages, it was a far better tournament. It was quite exciting, actually, in the in the earlier stages. Early dropouts, though, it was a little bit sad to see that uh, neither uh, Yannick Burrell or uh, Daniel Jean made it in, out of the 64. They both went out. Yeah, um, Yannick, having been the sort of model of consistency the last season, yep. has a bit of a slow start this time round. He's not quite firing on this in all cylinders like he was last year. Yeah. So, don't know what's happened. Maybe, all the, maybe everyone else is he's studying what he's doing a little bit more. I think uh, maybe he's been. I mean, he's been around for a while though. That was you're unlikely to find something new and surprising in his fencing, unless it's something that he's new and exciting that he's trying to, to put trying in, to work on. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is maybe what's tripping him up at the moment. Yeah, but maybe don't do that in the Grand Prix. Uh, <laughs> and I, and, I, and I, I like I like Jaron's uh, fencing as well. He's a really good fencer. Uh, anyway, they never made the 64. Kerbinov also went out in the 64. Right. Okay. Uh, when we get down into the into the 32, it's okay. There's there's Nobody really massively goes out here. We lose a knock-in, obviously. Uh, and we also lose Andres Redley at this point. Okay, so okay. winner of the previous yeah, World Cup. Exactly. But it, he I mean, he, he literally just fell. And I honestly can't remember who put him out. So anyway, we move into we move into the last 16. There's no there's no massive uh, upsets here apart from Fichera going out. And our last dates look like this. Our first fight was against was uh, Paolo Pizzo versus Bogdan Nikishin. It's a bit of an exciting one. Because Paolo Pizzo doesn't leave anybody alone. No, and the kitchen makes everybody work. Yeah. So it was quite good and it was really exciting. It was just nip and tuck all the way through, fast stuff all the time. Yeah. Uh, Paolo with his weird flungy stuff, uh, Bogdan with his, uh, his weird kind of like, uh, have some of that, see what you can do with it kind of fencing. It was really, really good. In the second, uh, the second last date, we had, uh, uh, my man, Max Heinzer, mm-hmm. uh, versus, uh, versus Park Sang Young. Yeah. Uh, quite an interesting one, this one, because Max goes quite far ahead. Uh huh. And then, Either Park changes his game, Max might have bottled it a little bit, something happened, and Park eventually pulls his back and wins at 14-13. Yeah, uh, I, I did watch this one. Max producing a variety of sort of weird tactics to try oh, and it was really strange. Disrupt, disrupt and sort of break up Park's, <laughs> yeah. Park's preparation. Park did yeah. look properly confused by it. He did for a while, but clearly got the hang of it in the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then There's an interesting sort of side, side to this as well. Is I think it started to get a little bit bad-tempered. And Max put uh it wasn't very obvious on the piece, but Max did put up a video saying, Come on guys, who's the ref here? Mm-hmm. Uh sort of analysing some of the some of the what in his opinion, I think slightly dubious decisions that were made at the time. Yeah. I wasn't too sure what to make of that when I when I saw because my opinion was it's epi, you know, you're gonna get close occasionally. But uh I will I forgot to share it on our Facebook page. 
I will share it on our Facebook page okay. and see if anybody else actually thinks about that. And then our last one was uh, uh, Garotsu's brother Enrico uh, versus uh, Jin Sun Jung uh, of Korea. Again, that's another good one. I don't actually remember very much about this one for some reason, but uh, Jung just basically wins it against uh, <laughs> Enrico. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't put it. Always a neat summary. It's always a neat summary. It's 15-14. I, like, I love, I love the Koreans, and I, I don't remember it being particularly, particularly anything astonishing happening. I just remember uh, Jung winning it. I can't remember much more than that. Anyway, okay. moving on. Into the semi-finals. Now, our first one was a good one with with Paolo going up against uh, Park. Yeah. Paolo takes the lead at the start and looks a little bit comfortable taking the lead. And he's able to manage Park quite well. They get to the first break, uh, you know, and then it just all of a sudden changes. It's that thing again where there's a tactics change in the break. Mm-hmm. And Park's worked out Paolo and then he's just all over him to, fin- to finish it all off. Right. Uh, and Park, it was great. The score's 15-13, and it went right to the edge. I think it was 13-all, the man. It was going toe-for-toe, and then Park just wins on the last two hits. Park just looking absolutely terrific, I have to say. Fast, aggressive, all the stuff I love in Korean Epi. And you've got, he's up against pizza, and just not going to leave him alone, right? It's crazy, whatever it is that's in Paolo's head, but it works, (laughs) right? Yeah, Uh, I mean, certainly... uh, it's a great semi-final against two opponents that you, you generally will yeah. thoroughly enjoy watching because yeah. there's loads of stuff happening. So by this point in the day, even though I was trying to sort of juggle a sort of seven-month-year-old baby and sort of peek around her head and try and watch the epi and all that kind of stuff, and I was a little bit distracted, I was actually quite, by this point, quite excited. I was really enjoying Doha. And moving to the second semi-final, uh, in terms of the actual fencing, it wasn't quite so good because Jung Jin Sun is, goes up against... Oh, I missed that, actually. I missed one of the last eights here. He was up against Santorelli. And another Korean-Italian matchup. In another Korean-Italian matchup. Yeah, and honestly, Jung was just all over him, and yep. it was you. You don't often see this, particularly with the Koreans, but he was he was really acting up to the crowd. Yeah, he was calling the hits. He was <laughs> it was gesturing to his coach, gesturing to the crowd. For whatever reason, Santay looked a little bit defeated, like even before they got halfway through the fight. It was right. He was just all over him. I don't know. Anyway, he was he was clearly up for the fight. He basically batters Santarelli off the piece, and it's fifteen yeah. eleven. But at the end, you, we could really feel the passion at this point because uh, John really goes for it. He, he really he's really won. You know, he, yeah. he goes down. He goes, like, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Santarelli looks properly defeated. I mean, we're moving into a final where, for me, it's like it's the ideal thing. I'm gonna. I'm going to win this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to see something here that I haven't seen before, something that's really exciting to me. I'm going to see two Koreans in my new love of South uh, Asia, Southeast Asian epifencing, and I'm going to love every second of it. Yeah, it's couldn't wait great. for it. Yeah, sounds great. So how was it? It was, oh God, it made me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> I was really, really angry about it. I, I didn't expect this to, I should have known better. I've seen enough all Italian finals to, to know what was coming down the pipe for me. And I should have known better, and I thought the Koreans were better than this. But we get, we immediately move to three passivity calls. Yep. Straight to the final minute, we flip a coin. I think it was one all at this point. I was so angry, I think I lost track of the point. I think it was one all. Yep. We flip a coin. Park gets the Park gets the call, saying he's got the he's got the priority. The fencers then fence for that minute. They start hitting each other. A it's little about, bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, they start fencing for a little bit. They back off a couple of times. It, it was quite exciting. We get into the final few seconds. It looks like it looks like Jung's going to win it because yeah. he's in the lead at this point. He too, 
Park then scores a hit, and in my opinion, it was a lucky hit. Didn't even look like he meant it. It uh-huh. was three all. It's like a fraction of a second on the on the clock. Yeah. Park just wins it. One hit. That's it. At the end of it. And that minute was pretty exciting, and I made it sound as exciting as I could. You've tried but, your best, but yep. I was honestly throwing things at my telly. I was picking up squeaky toys. I was screaming at it. I was really, really angry. At one point, the coaches realize that they're actually on camera, yeah. look at the camera and wince because they know how bad this actually looks. Yeah, it was terrible. It was actually terrible. The camera panned round into the hall. Just looking for something more something, interesting. Something that's going to happen. Uh, and all you could see was wall-to-wall people who paid money to actually watch this. Yeah. And it was, like, the guys, that, the, the guys here, they put on a great show. Nice, it was all really nicely laid out. Yeah. Everyone looked like they had nice comfy seats. Every, it looked absolutely um, fantastic. Doha's the only, the only place that puts up prize money as well. Well, I was going to say, I think that the organisers would have been well within their rights to withhold the money. So, on this yeah, one. you're not getting that. No, yeah. I, would have, I would have been... I would have been... We then hear afterwards that because they're best mates, they didn't want to fence each other, which is rubbish. Utter <laughs> rubbish. That is, that's, that's the worst excuse I've that ever That is had. the worst excuse. These guys are literally professionals. It's all that they do. Yeah. And they're paid to do it. And they train six days a week. Well, the rumour is that these guys are taking things like four lessons a day, six days a week. They do their strength and conditioning. They're paid to do this. They fence each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So they, even though they both know each other backwards and forwards, it doesn't mean to say they can't have a good old knockabout on the piece. Even if they're just going to put on a show, a show fight and make it look nice, they could have done something here. Yeah. Anyone that, I know that you don't get points for style and epi. I know that. I, I, nobody needs to tell me any of that stuff. But we have to understand there's a bigger picture than just a bunch of guys on the piece. It's not about just about the fences here. People pay to watch that. These Grand Prix are meant to be setting up a, a televisual feast to show off the sport at its best to, to the general public and draw in more money and more crowds. And this is not going to do it. No, It's not cutting not. the mustard. And we need to change the culture here. This is not an acceptable way. If I love Epi, and I talked about talked about a fight which I enjoyed because it was a battle of the spreadsheets, right? That's fine for me, mm-hmm. but it's not fine for everybody. I can't, I can't, if two two of my favourite fences are going to go on the piece and they're not going to be bothered, can't be bothered fencing, right? They can fence for one minute and have a fun time, right? If they can't be bothered fencing, if they can fence for one minute, they can fence for three, right? I just, I just don't want to see it. I can't defend the sport. Loads of people say the sport's boring. I can't defend it. If this is what we yeah, end up with, it looks like, yeah. if this is what it looks like, if you get paying people turning up and this is what they see, it's indefensible. And honestly, it's no wonder that IOC had a problem with, with with fencing. Well, I guess it's Epi now coming into the Olympics because it's 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 not a crowd pleasing sport. Yeah, they have a problem with it, and the FIA have a problem with it. The people who can fix it are us. We're the fencers. We're the coaches. We can fix this. We just have to change the culture a little bit. Hmm. Oh, anyway, enough ranting. It made me thoroughly <laughs> angry. Yeah, I can tell. And can women's tell. epi was better this time. So I have some of that. Yep. So, men's epi, great for quite a lot of it. Very, very dull at the end. Yes. Yeah, that's a pity. Yeah. It's a pity. Yeah, because, I mean, semi-finals were great. Mm-hmm. They were actually really, really good. I mean, for all that Santere looked overawed by, for Jung, it did, I mean, it did finish off 15-11. There's loads of doubles in that mm-hmm. one, but Jensen was just all over him. But that fight between uh, Palapetsu and, and Park Sung-yong, uh, well worth watching. It was really good, really yeah. entertaining. Yeah. I just want to sort of sort of sign off by saying, <laughs> I've been sort of thinking about this a lot, obviously, over the, over the last little while. And 
we've got to ask the question, why is it the fencers are unwilling to, why there are moments when fencers don't want to fence each other, why they want to get down at just that minute, why they want the coin toss. They want the coin toss because the coin toss gives them a nominal advantage over their opponent that they don't have to work to get. So it's not like foil and sabre where there are spaces in the rules where you can establish an advantage by playing with the timing and your positioning on the piece. You can't do that in epi. It doesn't work the same way. Mm. So what you're looking for is some other advantage you can get from outside. So these guys are clearly wanting that coin, fl- coin, coin toss to sort things out for them. So rather than leave it to the end, why don't we just do it at the start and then just take away the last minute? We have no passivity in the final three minutes. And then we maybe talk about penalties in terms of points. I still think if we if we were calling passivity, we need to be talking about a points penalty as well. I still I'm still on, on the side of that. I can't think of it. These guys aren't getting prize money a lot of the time, but I think the prize money would have been justifiably withheld here. Mm-hmm. They're not so it's not that you can say we're going to hit you in the pocket if you don't fence properly like they do in tennis. Yeah. So you have to do you have to look at other ideas here. So we incentivize them by saying, look, we'll sort the coin toss at the start. So you don't have to wait until the end to do it we'll just do it at the start so everybody knows where they are in the piece yeah. uh, and, and I think we should maybe take away the last minute we just say fine we get to our nine minutes however we get there that's the end of it we decided it on the coin toss okay fair enough so I did put off the uh, yeah the boring epi chat yep. uh, but we, we got yep. there in the end uh, I swear that this is the last time I will mention the fact that I, this kind of fencing drives me irate I will, however, if I see another final like this, uh-huh. have a bit of a rant. And then yeah, we'll move yeah, on. I'm quite looking forward to it because I'm sure there will be more. Yeah. I'm tired as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's tired and grumpy. Tired and grumpy. Needs a nap. I need my, uh, I need my, I need my uh, hot cocoa and put to bed. <laughs> well, on to, on to something a bit more exciting then. The third of the, third of the Grand Prix that we're, we're talking about in this episode, Sabre from Cancun in Mexico. So Cancun... Because it's a Grand Prix, is now beautifully televised and shown all the piece looking lovely, great backdrop. Why why can't you come up with something better for the women's foil one? I still think think it must be different teams. So the Grand Prix, there must be, because it's a prestige event, there must be money that comes in from somewhere to do that particular event. Yeah, of course. I mean, the guys guys from Fencing Vision come in to, to do the video coverage. Yeah, but it's, it's the hall's even set up differently. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a different hall. Different venue. Yes, yeah. so it's, it's almost like there's a different organising committee for this one than there is for the, the World Cup. It's very strange. Why yeah. isn't it the same people? Why don't you just get the same people to do both? Even if it's different people, maybe they should talk to each other. But anyway, on to the action. Women's saber. First of all, uh, a few early departures: uh, Manon Bruni, Irina Vecchi, and uh, Charlotte Lindbach, France, going out in the thirty-two, and our quarter-final lineup. We've been doing this for a while. Irigo Watch, mm-hmm. Ariana Irigo, who we were talking about just a little earlier, suffering disappointment going out in the semi-finals in Turin Women's Foil, mm-hmm. makes her first top eight here in Cancun. Loved every second of that. Yep, <laughs> it was great. I mean, I'm a, I'm a foilist. We've we've followed this story of uh, Irigo having a go at trying to qualify for Tokyo at yeah. both foil and sabre. Yeah. And at times we thought, well, you know, this is going to be really, really hard going. Mm-hmm. She had a, she's had a pretty good start to the, the season. She made the last 16 of the first two World Cups in Orléans and St. Nicholas. First time makes the last eight here. And when she gets there, she's facing Anna Marton, who's number one in the world rankings, mm-hmm. and takes a win. Takes a win 15-14. Absolutely fantastic. So that was a... Kind of instant highlight for me. Yeah. 
Elsewhere, we had Cecilia Berdia beating the Rosella Gregorio, 15-6, very comfortable win. Mm-hmm. And again, that mixture of mixture of actions, that um, that sort of willingness to play mm-hmm. that uh, that we like in the French women's sabras. Yannick Gorian puts out uh, Dagmara Vojnac of the USA, uh, fairly comfortably, 15-8, but I, I think probably the best result for uh, for Vojnac for a, a while as well. I think so. Uh, what did you make in the Leipzig? It was 32, I think, Leipzig, was it not? Yes, I think it was. Uh, yeah. And then I, I don't think she's done anything better than that all season, so yeah, it's a pretty good result for her. Decent decent day out for him, mm-hmm. uh, for her rather. Yeah. And last of the quarterfinals, Olga Karlan putting out Kim Jeon of Korea with a a, a genuinely scrappy and hard work looking fifteen thirteen win. Yep. So semi final number one, Erigo against Berda and Erigo looked increasingly increasingly like a proper Sabrar. She did. Um, uh, for, for a long time she has to my eyes anyway, looked like a foilist, a very, very good foilist admittedly, mm-hmm. who's been given a Sabrar uh, given a Sabre and told, have a go at this. Yep. But Starting to put it all together much more now. Um, watch little bits of it in the earlier World Cups and both the fight against Marton and this fight against uh, Berde were properly impressive. Yeah, I watched uh, it as well. leading this fight. Mm-hmm. So see, they're struggling to kind of get to grips. I mean, the, I would think that if you're facing facing her as a Sabreur, her time is going to be a bit funny, her sense of distance is going to be a bit a bit odd. So it's going to be a struggle for mm-hmm. for some of the Sabreurs to get, to get the hang of. But Erigo looked, looked in control of things, really, at the, at the start of the fight, and she built up a decent lead uh, going into the break. Can't remember the exact score. Berda does start to get the hang of it, starts to make things work a bit better for her, gets better control of the distance and timing. Again, it gets to a 14-all, though, and Erigo finishes it up with a really nice cart repost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like a foil when she was very precise in where she placed yeah. it. Yeah. It was like she'd done it, you know, a million times with a foil. Yeah. But this time... Done with the saber to to take her into the final. So brilliant result before before anything else happens. Second semi final, equally exciting because in my opinion it has the two best women's sabers in the world facing mm-hmm. in it, Agorian against um Carlan. And again in the early part of this fight, it looked pretty one sided. Big lead for uh for Agorian. She looked well in control of things. She did was not quite firing for Carlan, she couldn't couldn't get out of the way of the attacks, couldn't time her attack, couldn't time her own attacks quite right, looking for the parries and not quite making them well, everything just a little bit off. But a proper battling performance. She pulled it back in the the second half, became a little bit more aggressive, perhaps a little less adventurous even. Um which uh, is it's un, unlike her. I'm just sort of thinking about myself to this one. I'm not sure what it was either. There is something she did change her game very, very slightly. Whether she, I wasn't entirely sure whether it was the distance game that changed slightly. She should maybe pulled it back a half a step or something like that. Yeah, give herself a bit more time to actually see yeah, what's going on. Exactly. But, um, it was, you know, a gutsy performance. Mm-hmm. We talked about her win at, the, at St Nicholas, where yep. she just looked absolutely phenomenal and wiped the floor with everyone. Yeah. This wasn't one of those days. She'd had a struggle with Kim in the mm-hmm. last eight. Had to make pull out a real big comeback against the Glorian. Eventually taking a uh, taking a fifteen fourteen win, mm-hmm. so not the classy effortless performance no. from, from the previous no. World Cup, but still into the final. Mm-hmm. And the final itself was a little bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, because again, Carlin totally dominated things, and Erigo couldn't 
couldn't work it out. I mean, she's not got enough experience as a superhero. No. To find, when she finds herself in a fight that's not going her way to be totally comfortable with turning it around, especially against somebody of, of Carlan's quality. But still no. a, an amazing result for for Erigo and back-to-back wins for, for Carlan as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, happy all round from my point of view, certainly. It was, uh, I, I, it was, I really it was enjoyed stuff. it. I really enjoyed it. As I say, this year I've, I've sort of I've made it, I'm saying I'm making an effort to watch much more women's sabre. Well done. Uh, and I'm keeping up with that, and I have I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I'm honest yeah, with you. Yeah, told you it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I've got yeah. another convert. Um, yeah. I think I think we we have chatted a little bit about this. When was the last time there was a the potential that somebody could fence even at a world championship in more than one weapon and be a medal contender in in, in them in the modern era? When was when's the last time that happened? A very long time ago, I would, I would think. Struggling. At least fifty years ago. Yeah, um, I, I was thinking about this. I, I, had, I, I even had a look. I couldn't pick anyone out of. Okay, I mean, fifties, sixties. I would happy to be to be corrected on this if somebody knows better. Someone who's, you know, they know someone who's produced medal-winning performance or top eight performances yeah. in different weapons in reasonable sort of close proximity to each other. Not yeah. even necessarily the same world championships. Because I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's been anyone in the modern era. And I say from the seventies upwards for that. Yeah, I don't think it's been anyone. In fact, I think the last time would have been the sixties. Yeah, so it's a long, long time since anybody's really had a go at this. So I'm well chuffed to see Rigo making some, making it look some like it's possible. Yeah. yeah, I mean this this result takes her up to twenty second in the world rankings now. Mm. Um, her results in the second half of last year, I think she had one last sixteen and the last sixty four. Uh, she did miss a couple of competitions. I think one with injury. So she's got. Plenty of opportunity to push herself further up the rankings. It currently puts her as the fifth highest ranked Italian in yep. the world rankings. And the fourth ranked one is defending some... That's Martina Crisio, who's defending a couple of strong results at the beginning of the year. So she's going to be looking pretty nervously over her shoulder right yeah, now. because you've got to think, it's looking increasingly that Rigo is making the team. Well, it's, it's certainly... It's going to be... It's going to be certainly very possible. And I must yeah. admit, at the end of last season... I don't think maybe she'd bit off more than she could chew, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, delighted to be be proven wrong. It was a yeah, a, yeah really exciting performance, and uh, yeah, delighted for her. So on to the mains. A few early departures: uh, Max Hartung, Bragimov of Russia, Berry of Italy, and Rushenikov, mm-hmm. mentioned just earlier, all going in the last thirty-two, and setting the Smelly going out in the in the sixteen. So our quarter-final lineups: World champion Andras Satmari beating Oleg Apatey again. Another. A steady result from Apatine. It's uh, mm-hmm. a fifteen ten, and I do like the technical and tactical variety of uh, of the Hungarian. So a, a fairly comfortable win for yeah, it's a very fifteen ten. He, he, he is pretty sort of phlegmatic as well. Which I, quite, I kind of like it. He, he doesn't look grumpy or anything like. He kind of looks just kind of chippy, yeah, a chirpy. He just sort of wanders in. Wouldn't go that far. I mean, I say he looked pretty grumpy when he lost to uh, Anstett in uh, in Gior. Well, that's true. That's so true. He's got a he's got a grumpy side to him when things aren't aren't going his oh, way. Oh, don't we all though? <laughs> <laughs> well, you more than most, Cap, to be fair. <laughs> so that was a yeah, fairly comfortable one for mm-hmm. uh, for Sat Mary there. Oh beat Luca Caratelli. Uh now did I mention that they fenced at Gior as well? Yeah. That was a thrashing. This was much more like it. Caratelli looking on better form. Mm-hmm. Again, sort of combination of um hard work, lots of variety, all done at yep. tremendously high speed. Uh, gave ooh, much more to think about, but still emerges a winner from this one with a with a fifteen twelve. Mm-hmm. 
for me, certainly the the highlight of the quarterfinals was Schlage against Kim, long time adversaries, yep, and producing all the stuff you would want. Mm-hmm. Schlage edging the line with a fifteen thirteen, and looking looking in thoroughly good form since the Olympics. There have been times when he's looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's actually won anything since the Olympics. No, but this this was a a, a really impressive performance, and Kim, despite being a good old age into his 30s with a, an immensely physical style. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that's a, that's oh. a hard 30-odd hard years of, yeah. of, of life for your, your physical well-being. Yeah. Um, still still giving it plenty, but uh, edged out by Shalagi in this time. Mm. And uh, the last of the quarterfinals, Gubongil putting out Eli Dershowitz. Mm-hmm. So Dershowitz. Yeah, again, more, more consistent results following his, uh, uh, his win in Algiers. So, on to the semis. We've got two Korea v Hungary matchups with this one. O against Satmari. Yep. Which finished up with a fifteen ten win for O, but it was it was no closer than that. Satmari did well no. in control of things. Yeah. Yeah. And he is he's a scary man. You know? He's big, <laughs> strong, fast. I you know, forget forget being put on the naughty list. I mean that's what Sabre coaches should should frighten their children with you know it's not not you'll be, yeah, exactly. you'll be on the list, naughty list you'll get no presents you'll be you'll be stuck in the back of the piste with oh about to launch a flange attack at you that he's been building up the full length of the piste yeah that's that's scary yeah he's he, he is I think you describe how do you describe it well so actually far, Phil, so quick Phil so Carson uh-huh. Sabre coach at Salosian uh, had a really good description he said he's got uh, oh has German power Korean footwork and Hungarian tactical variety right. Uh, and that's a really devastating comp- combination. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned before, he's really young. Yeah. So, yeah, he puts out the world champion pretty comfortably in the, sem- the first semi-final. Second semi-final, uh, again, another another match-up that's been repeated several times mm-hmm. before with Satmari against Gu. And again, uh, sorry, with Shilagi against Gu. And, and Shilagi, again, maintaining that sort of good form. Looking re- he he looked right really good. I mean... He he didn't just look really good. He also looked really fast and quick, in a way that uh, like kind of like it was because re- Goo's pretty pretty physical. Yeah, pretty yeah, physical. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, very very physical. I think it's the phrase you're looking for. But yes, yeah. But yeah. I think uh, it's like he looked like he could actually move him Forget around to match him. Yeah, it really really was willing to go toe to toe, and his sense of timing was absolutely something else. I think. Yeah, no, it was uh, tremendous stuff um, of, of the two semi-finals. It was it was so close. Oh yeah, and a fight that you uh, certainly for me anyway mm-hmm. because they're two fencers, two very contrasting styles. Mm-hmm. But I would be happy with either one to win yeah. that one. Yeah. And on this occasion, uh, with Schlage that uh, they got over the line to to make it to the final. This is another one of those times where I was watching it and thinking, I'm not entirely sure how they're getting these hits. The the referee would go ready fence, and then something would happen, and it was so quick. So unbelievably quick, either in the hand speed or the foot speed, something was happening. Uh-huh. There's no build up; it would just happen. So, 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 do you mean that you were struggling to follow what was happening? No, 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 no. I just, just couldn't so, comprehend how fast these guys were. Yeah, right. I could see what was happening, right? But it was just like it was a couple of times where I thought, "Oh, that must be a pie or a post," because I'm listening to listening for the the chink of the guards, yeah. right? And 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 then we see the replay. Say, ah, oh, no, actually, that wasn't a pyropos at all. It was like something completely different. There was mm-hmm. a weird exchange in the middle and one hit, and there was like an extra action that I just couldn't 
couldn't pick out. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't pick out exactly how it would happen. Anyway, uh, I really, really enjoyed that particular fight. Really yep. enjoyed it. Uh, so on to our final, the young up-and-coming Korean, uh, the latest that Shalagi has defence, having disposed of two of them already. Yeah. <laughs> it's a final. Oh, it's another one. This one's even bigger than the previous two. Yeah. And it, uh, a, a fantastic battle. Again, that contrast of styles, and you were just never sure who was who was going to take it in yeah. this one. I think it's just not, this 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 fight had a had a sort of first time. First, well, he didn't do it in the in the in the semi, but Aaron did an amazing flunge at one point in it. Yeah, yeah. Where he, he chased he chased O down and just from nowhere launched this this flunge, which hit for yeah. a single light. And even O would kind of stop for a second, was just like mm, that was a good hit, like oh. you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's it's funny because the the Koreans, for all their physicality, are not hugely aggressive or confrontational. I mean, they have a bit of a shout when they score a hit. Yeah. But all the, all their aggression is channeled into the fencing. There's yeah. no there's no sort of fist pumping or yeah. sort of leaning towards the opponent. It's yeah. all it's all very focused and actually really quite quite polite in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think it's a endearing, yeah. endearing characteristic. Yeah. So anyway, it comes down to fourteen all, and finally, O O clinches it for back to back senior wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that takes him up to third in the world rankings now. And I say he's just a kid. It's funny when you see him when he takes his mask off; <laughs> he's got a real baby face as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His his size and sort of terrifying physical presence. Yeah, uh, he is just a kid. Yeah, Aaron takes his mask off. Looks like a man. It's yeah. a man. This is yeah, a man. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, you know, O takes his mask off, and it's a wee boy. Yeah. Wee boy's head on his body to come and to come and win this Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually a really nice piece that the FIE have done as well. Um, a day out with the Korean Saber team, which is um, Kim Young Wan and O Sangook, basically eating in various various bits yeah. of soul. I, I didn't um, think Korean barbecue was a real thing. I thought it was an invented thing. But oh, it turns no, out, no, yeah. it's really real. But okay. yeah. yeah, it's awesome. You should try that. Yeah. Uh, and what he does say in that is that Kim is kind of looking out for for O. Right. And that's kind of almost part of Kim's job now is the sort of senior member of the team uh-huh. is to bring through these young guys. So he and it was it was quite it was quite a touching little film actually. You should you should. I didn't watch, watch all, I didn't have a chance to watch all, but I started watching it, which is where I got the Korean barbecue thing from. Uh-huh. And I got distracted because I was watching it on a break at lunch. Right. But 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 yeah, that, that there's that's an interesting dynamic that the older fencer is expected to look after the younger one. Yeah, and it's interesting because it creates it creates the sort of this idea of a culture that's being passed down. Yes, indeed. You know, so that it does show that the Koreans are really thinking about what they're 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 doing long term. There, interesting. Oh yes, a couple of other things. Well, actually, one one thing more to mention about uh, about the the Grand Prix in Cancun was our new commentators. The FIE as well. Oh, um, right, yes. Two two Americans. I've got their names written down here because I uh, neither of them meant anything to me particularly. I okay. must admit. Uh, but uh, Jeff Jeff Bukans, Oh and, yes, I have heard uh, of Jeff. Uh, and Peter Burchard. Uh, so Jeff Bukans on the fringes of the American American team when he was a, a competitor, and he did NBC's commentary for the That's right, yeah. Olympics. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and Peter Burchard is the president of the US Fencing Coaches Association and coaches at all, right, okay. all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought they were quite good. This is another one that was a, real, a funny thing at one point with the mics, though, where you could hear one person but not the other. Yes, that's right. Um, I, I, I found, it, found it slightly distracting that Jeff is quite an animated speaker. It's all very quick and yeah. rapid and, you know, fast up those information. He sounded like quickly. an American commentator. Yes, he did. 
I was expecting him to whoop, and if the camera was to pan round, he'd be waving <laughs> one of those foam, foam hands in the air. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, he was, yeah. Yeah, but that's yeah. what it sounded like to me, quite whoop. exciting, yeah. Um, whereas Peter is much more low-key, much slower, and I find the contrast actually a bit um, a bit hard to cope with at first. All right, okay. I was sort of, you know, once, come on, Peter, tell us a bit more, you know, be quicker, I'm, yeah. I'm tired of waiting. It was, yeah, language, mm-hmm. language. I'm sure, you know, if they're, they're going to do more... I'm sure I'll get used to it. Yeah. But it was interesting here. Actually, talking about new commentators, I've forgotten about this. At uh, Doha, we had Iris Zimmerman. Yes. Was one of the commentators, and she did quite a good job, I thought. Yeah, yeah. So she had quite... I, I wasn't... Because she, she was a foilist, she did actually make this point a few times where she wasn't a foilist, and she didn't... And, that, and as a result of that, she didn't have maybe the depth of the understanding of some of the game. Because she said that a couple of times, like, well, if I was to do okay. this, I would do that. Yeah. Uh, but she said, like, that's because I'm a foilist and I haven't really competed at this level. But... She never said anything completely dumb, you know, which I thought was quite good. Well, it's hard. It's epi. It's really, it's really hard. <laughs> well, it, it takes I, a I long... give it a good go, but like you know, yeah, it takes a long time. So there's plenty of opportunity oh. for for comedies to yeah. say something dumb. Yeah, but I thought Iris is quite good. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that wraps up all our coverage of the the Grand Prix and mm-hmm. the the last of the World Cups for the year. So we need to pick a coolest fencer on the planet. So who are we going to nominate then? Well, just finished talking about Usanguk. Back-to-back senior wins. Still a kid. Still a kid. <laughs> Looked phenomenal. Yeah, okay. Um, that's that's got to be well worth a nomination. I think Arigo, from our, our ongoing Arigo watch. Yeah, I mean, big big, big breakthrough moment for, for her and Sabre. Looks like a, looks like a Sabre fencer. Yeah. Really, this should be what we're talking about, I think, because it's quite an interest. There's there's lots of stuff around about this, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I'm really struggling to think of anybody else that I want to kind of nominate. Well, I I thought the return of Anna Maria, oh very good, yes. Flash uh-huh. Popescu mm-hmm. was uh, really good to see. We have to all a great agree. Fencer, so like to see her her back, yes. back in action and and looking things. like a quality fencer again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have to say that I think everybody that includes us has to agree that her name is not Bransa anymore. It's now Popescu. Yes. it seemed to be interchangeable. Everyone's ah, okay, yeah, yeah. I've it's done difficult. A, I've done it a couple of times tonight, but certainly the, all the commentators at Doha made that mistake. And it was became interchangeable, Popescu, Bransa, they were all doing it. Okay. I think we're all guilty. I hope, hopefully that isn't offensive to her. Right, well, I'll do, I'll do that again. Um, I would definitely nominate Anna Maria Popescu as coolest fencer on the planet. Cool, very good. Okay, so any more? No, I don't think so. Okay, so from our three, Erigo, O, well, and Popescu. Popescu. Well, I think... Who's it going to be? Popescu's been at the top before. Yep. Uh, and she's she's been around for a while now. So seeing her win again is nice, but maybe not enough to not give her... Not a surprise, yeah. Yeah, so not enough to Even give her enough cool of points. Okay. Uh, but it's nice to see her. The back-to-back with O thing is quite interesting. It's fairly, 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 I was going to say it feels a bit like Yannick Burrell, but it's nothing like Yannick Burrell because the, the level of consistency we're talking about here is something else... O is on the way up. We yeah. might not have seen the end of O's rise to the top yet. No, definitely not. I'm there's, there's more to come. To, moved up third. Mm-hmm. Still very young, likely to become even more terrifyingly efficient than he is just now. Yeah, which is I can't even comprehend what that would be. What that would look like. I hope I, I never have to. Yeah, I, I would yeah. never have to. I feel slightly nervous actually just thinking yeah. about it. Hope I never have to experience it firsthand. Well, me with a saber. Mm, uh, but obviously, I, 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 my vote goes for a regal. Yeah. Because it's just such a remarkable result. Remarkable result. Could we could be on the cusp of seeing some history? Yeah. Uh, what else are you going to say about it? Really, a big, big story. Well, I think yeah. the other thing we have to say is that uh, that makes our coolest fencer on the planet. Yes. 
Congratulations. Yeah, again. <laughs> Has she been before? I'm pretty sure that she was our second coolest fencer on the planet when she won, right. she won have- Cancun last year because no hanging about, no taking a break after the Olympics. Right. Straight back into into the action. So you, 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 we're quite consistent in our taste. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to. I'm going to actually have to go back and have a look at who we've chosen yeah. as coolest fencer on the planet. So I'm worried that actually may only be a grand total of about four people. Uh, no, I think it's a bit better than Dale Hormer and people that have been coolest. But uh, congratulations, uh, Rigo. Um You are our coolest fencer on the planet. Definitely, definitely. So I think that pretty much wraps it up. Apart mm-hmm. from to see. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yep, Merry Christmas. And um, all the very best for a wonderful 2018. And mm-hmm. we'll we'll see you then. Yes. Oh, um, don't forget you can contact us. You can contact us on Facebook. Uh, we're the Fencing Podcast on Facebook. You can also email us at thefencingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also get us on Twitter. Uh, now, here we're just Fencing Podcast. And I want to give a, a, a shout out to a couple of people oh, that I've, okay. I've swapped some Twitter messages with. So I put a call out about boring epifencing and how we are uh, going to try and fix that. And a couple of people chipped in with some some uh, solutions. Uh, so I want to give these guys a quick shout out. And they are Andrew Stencil. Right. So Andrew Stencil uh, talked about you know just improving the watchability sport by improving the perf- the presentation of it. We had okay. a bit of a discussion about this, but I pointed out that. We are heading in the right direction with that, but we had a, we had a really good uh, we had a really good chat about that online. And the other person I want to give a shout out to is James Dockery, who chipped in saying, "Well, why don't we make it like table tennis and have two clear points at the at the end?" But I had to point out to poor James here that uh, that could take forever if you've got a, uh-huh. a low scoring non combativity. Yes, indeed, and maybe that maybe that's going taking it a little bit to the extreme. It's also what we used to do, yeah, back in the day, and I think we abolished it because it did take too long. Took ages to finish some bouts. Uh, potentially, but there was a limit even on that because that was when back when fights were up ten hits in theory. But if you're yep. at level at nine all, it would become too clear, but only to a maximum of twelve. All oh, right, okay. See, I only dimly remember this because that was getting phased out when I started fencing. Yeah, I'm much older than you, Gavin. I've been <laughs> fencing for longer, so yeah, I do Sorry. remember that. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure I gave these guys a shout out because they took the time to have a chat with me online about about boring epi, and that was nice of them. Okay, it was. Mm-hmm. All right, so are we done. We're done. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. See you next year. Bye now.